The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner, here with Ron Cott Jr., as always. It's a little less fun to have these uh, podcasts uh, right after a uh, uh, loss. The Chiefs, in what I'm now calling the uh, Denver debacle, uh, stumbled on the road <laughs> in Denver, breaking a bunch of streaks and, and a bunch of hearts, losing 24-9 to on Sunday afternoon. Ron, how are you feeling today? Well, Stags, I, you know, at least as, as long as we get a good nickname out of the loss, it can't be too bad, right? Denver debacle, that's a, that's a memorable one. I mean, when, uh, you no, that, five, when you have five turnovers, um, you know, that's 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 a debacle. That's a look it up in the dictionary. It's probably going to give you this game. Uh, yeah, no, that's you know, that's it, it was just an annoying game. Right. I mean, just, you know, the offense could not get going. You know, you have, you know, turnovers on offense. And then, you know, I kind of thought the second half maybe we'd see. All right, we'll get back on track. We'll, we'll see them win because the defense was keeping them in the game. And then we get the McCole Hardman up front, which we'll talk about a little later too. So I don't know, Stags. I think I think we should start off with a, a question from our listener to kind of get things going um, right off the bat here. Ed Holinsky. And we got plenty of questions from you guys today. Uh, there's nothing like a, 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 a bad Chiefs loss to bring out the questions uh, from the people. So shout out to y'all for listening. Shout out to y'all for submitting the questions. But Ed Holinsky asks, Stags, in our opinion, was this loss just a bump in the road? Or did it uncover bigger problems with the Chiefs roster? I think that really is the big question out of this, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to believe that it's more of the bump in the road, that it's the annual inexplicable Chiefs loss to a lesser opponent, you know, that they'll they'll look back and, and we'll forget it even happened, or it'll be the one loss that we always point to to say, oh, man, they would have been, you know, 16 and one, if it weren't for that one, you know, it wouldn't for, it wouldn't for that, that drop in Denver that they shouldn't have lost. My, my thought is that now I will say, and, and I know you'll get to this at the end, but it's a really terrible time to have that one bump in the road loss because they're heading into their two toughest games of the season. 
uh, I would argue after this and, and starting with with Miami this weekend in London and sorry in in Germany uh, usually in London be, yeah I just assume if it's overseas it's in London but no it's in Germany right. and uh, it, it's going to be you know those are some some pretty rough games to go in with with more pressure to say hey six and two is fine if you go to, if you get to seven and two and eight and two but if they end up at six and four after those the, the next two weeks then then you, you start to really worry so yes I think it exposed it continued to expose some of the weaknesses we knew were there yeah but it should should just be an aberration Mahomes not feeling well getting his hand all sliced up uh, and and just really really poor execution five turnovers you know you hope that that is a blip in the road yeah i mean when you when you we really zoom out you know it is funny how this this really was like the ultimate letdown spot i mean just the the absolute perfect spot for for a team to to fall and in, into a trap game when you're talking about traveling to another country the week after to play a you know an afc contender you know a team that you know is, is obviously one of the best teams in the afc and you're going to have to fight for, for for home field advantage but also playing the broncos who you literally just played 2 weeks ago who are obviously going to be kind of familiar and comfortable with how, you know, how they need to play, even though obviously it didn't go well for them the first time. I, I, I do think, you know, with, with Andy Reid's tendency to do his thing, not really change, you know, adapt, you know, his game plan kind of, uh, especially in, in maybe games that aren't as important uh, to standings. Someone like Sean Payton probably put up, pulled out all the stops to make sure they knew exactly how to attack the Chiefs. And they, and they did, right? I mean, like, shout out the Broncos. They had a great game plan on offense. They just ran the crap out of the ball. You know, took advantage of not having Nick Bolton, and then obviously the the you know the pass coverage was good enough to kind of you know uh, muck up you know Mahomes's vision and the and the receiving routes, and so you got to give Denver credit for coming all out in this game. But it just I actually tweeted his tags. I I do you know I do the way too early schedule prediction back in when the schedule first came out, and I did have Chiefs the Chiefs losing this game and to fall to no. six and two. So I mean it, it it was an ultimate letdown spot. Like you could kind of see it coming. Yeah. And I mentioned the Germany thing and the Broncos playing two out of three weeks. So at some point, you know, zooming out, it, it probably is just a blip and a bump in the road, even if maybe they do have some struggles in these next couple of games, like you mentioned. That's a good call by Ron Stradamus there. That was uh that's impressive. I, I will say, like we can sit here and talk about how the uh Broncos had a great game plan and how they they certainly executed a little bit better overall. But look at the the box score. I mean, I know the box score is oh, yeah. thing, but uh Russell Wilson threw for 114 yards. <laughs> it took six sacks. They ran for 153 yards. Was it sure. Six sacks? Oh my gosh. I did not sacks. realize that. His uh you know it, it was a it was not a, a banner day for the Denver offense. Jerry Judy led them with two receptions for 50 yards. Cortland Sutton, two for 29. You know, I mean, they they didn't move the ball through the air. They didn't have to because the Chiefs gave them short fields all day long. And, and the run game was fine. Uh, they ran for 153 yards on 3.8 yards per carry. So, you know, eight carries by Russell Wilson out of that. So 32 carries by the, by the running back. So it's... It, it certainly was, you know, enough to win, clearly. But, oh, yeah. But I wouldn't call it, a, a you know, an elite game plan on offense. I think their defense must have shown something that, that made it tougher uh, on the Chiefs' offense because 
it was really the Chiefs offense that that seemed to to struggle the most on this day. Right. And that's the thing. Like I that's what I we should have maybe expected more, <clears throat> excuse me, coming into the season with a Broncos defense that has done that to the Chiefs offense, you know, uh over over the years with that uh depending on the coordinator, obviously. But it's been a lot of the same guys, right? I mean, Justin Simmons has been there. He's the guy who's picked off Mahomes the most. I know that's a stat, but like it's um, incredible how many interceptions he has on Mahomes. Um, you know, Patrick Sertan's been there a couple of years now. Alex Singleton, Josie Jewell, the linebackers, they all know, you know, how to maybe, you know, uh, mess with Mahomes and the Kelsey connection. I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, a few of Mahomes' worst statistical games have come against this Denver defense. So it's maybe something we should have expected a little more of Denver being able to to muck up Mahomes, but we are bearing the lead a little bit. I mean, he he, he did come out. He's He didn't have, he had the flu, right? He, that's That was reported, you know, going into the game in and in a cold, snowy game, you know, you're not feeling good anyway. Um, you know, that can, that can always be be tough because, you know, hey, I, I will say just hand up. I you know, Or I shouldn't say hand up, but haven't been able to watch all 22. Hasn't been uploaded. Don't know why. It's kind of driving me crazy because I really do want to see, you know, whether it was more the play calling or the receivers not getting open or what was exactly clogging up the pass offense, you know, because just the week before they were, you know, easily going for 300, 400 yards against the Chargers. So, um but I, I think to your point on, you know, this defense not, you know, defense playing well enough. They definitely did. I just think the Broncos took advantage again of, of the Chiefs not having Nick Bolton in the past and the Chiefs offense maybe not doing too much and kind of just playing that time of possession game, you know, running the ball. And it worked this time. You, just, you know, sometimes it doesn't work against Mahomes, but it worked this game uh, to kind of just hold on to the ball and, and, and grind it out. Yeah, in that second half, the Chiefs did not have an awful lot of of offensive plays uh, in, in order to, to mount a comeback. And when they did, they didn't do anything with them. So punt, turnover on downs, interception, end of game. That was the Chiefs' second half offense. Yeah. Uh, not ideal uh, when you're down by one score at halftime. You know, I mean, this was this was a game that was within reach really up until I would argue that McCall Hardman uh, fumble, uh, you know, was really the, the play that, that turned the tide uh, for the Broncos. Uh, the, the Chiefs came out right after that with an 11 play drive after going down 21 to nine on that on that fumble. Uh, 11 play drive that ended on a fourth and two in the Denver 26 yard line. Mahomes drops that beautiful pass in the in the end zone right into the arms of Sky Moore, uh, and then went right out of the arms of Sky Moore. That was a uh, you know the ultimate frustration there. Uh, you know, from then before that, or even at that moment, I thought, Hey, you know, they, they've got a shot here, right? right. They that's down there. They got seven minutes left. It's a one score game. You know, you feel pretty good about the chief's chances. If they've, if they've scored in the second half at that point, uh, they didn't score there. That was fourth down. A lot of people are second guessing that play call or that, or that decision to throw it to the end zone there. Uh, instead of just converting the first down and keeping the, the the chains moving, you know you you can make that case. But again, when you have a perfectly thrown ball like that to an, a receiver, you know that that should be hauling those in at this point. Uh, you can understand why he did that, and then follow that up with just the the most miserable late game drive I can remember. Like the this this last real drive the Chiefs had, it was incomplete pass, sack, sack desperation interception like that was uh that was brutal four plays yeah. negative 17 yards uh when they when they just absolutely had to get something going at the end of the game so so really you know 
things went downhill quick, I guess was my point there. <laughs> yeah, well, Mike Staples at Mike Staples 35 did ask us about uh, that what you said about kind of maybe the play play calling decision or the you know decision by Mahomes to throw a, a tight pass touchdown attempt to Sky Moore on fourth and two. You know, there there is a I, I did see a few people on on the old Twitter saying that uh, you know, hey, he had McKinnon in the flat, you know, he it was there, you just take it and get the first down. You know, it is easy to to you know when he doesn't throw that flat to say, okay, well, if you throw it to McKinnon, he's gonna, you know, be able to run over that flat defender and get the first down. Well, a lot of times that flat defender is very, you know, it, it, it he's he's waiting on that. And as soon as Mahomes is is, is looking like he's throwing there. He is firing on that, and he's going to blow McKinnon up. And 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 if you kind of look closer at that, that is and, definitely the case there. And frankly, that's what happened earlier in the game, right? McKinnon had yeah a two catches for negative two yards total. I mean, and those, Pacheco had some blown up in the flat too. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. So you're they're right. uh, I'm sorry, those were those were uh, excuse me rushes by Jared McKinnon, but uh, McKinnon had one catch for 11 yards, but his his two rushes were were stuffed. So I mean, I feel like. You could easily have those plays completely blown up uh, in that scenario, and and we've all been frustrated by the Chiefs going short of the sticks on on short yardage as opposed to pass them. I right. Mean, I I wouldn't have minded a a high percentage throw, you know, something to to Kelsey or or uh, Rasheed Rice, you know, because that's really the only two receiving threats they have at the moment. Um, you know, get get those guys past the sticks and and. And put the ball in their in their stomach uh, to to make sure that you convert, you know I, that that I could make a case for. But again, drop that pass should have been completed. It should have been a touchdown. The Chiefs should have been within one score with six minutes left. Well, I mean, the real question, and maybe this is kind of what Mike is getting at, is you know why is Sky Moore the one running that deep isolated route where you know he he really is the best option in that in that play call. Um, you don't really. You know, he's the one kind of running away from the man defender. You're going to get man coverage in fourth and two. Why isn't that, you know, Rasheed or even, you know, I mean, it could have been Kelsey, even though, you know, you probably get a different kind of coverage if it's Kelsey running that route. You know, I, hey, I once, I, I tweeted out when it happened. That was Sky's chance. I mean, Sky is a hero if he makes that catch. Everyone's like, okay, like he just needed to get the ball more. Like he mm. needed to make that opportunity. And like at some point, you, we, we can't keep, making excuses for not making plays yeah i i've really been waiting and hoping for good things from sky Moore, and, and just like a lot of chiefs fans and I, I think this is getting to the point now where there's just he's running out of chances and and it is it's really disappointing to see how the season's gone for him i thought for sure that he would be getting a huge volume and doing yeah something solid with it i mean to the point where I drafted him uh, with the last pick in some of my some of my fantasy football drafts, like oh, yeah. I believed that Sky Moore was going to have a, a breakout type season, and it's uh, it has not happened. But halfway through the season here, and he still feels as lost as ever. And yeah, you feel like that's a very low percentage throw for Mahomes anytime he targets Sky Moore, unless it's a you know screen pass or or you know something uh, you know that's, that's super simple for him. I also think that's a low percentage pass if they throw that same to, to MVS as well. So, oh yeah, it's you know what, <laughs> you know that who do you have that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna make that a high percentage pass at this point? Right, I know that's why you 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 almost heard me earlier kind of do the same thing where I wanted to say why isn't that 
And I was like, oh, wait, I don't really know who else I'd really want them to be throwing that to besides Rasheed Rice. And, and you know, I do think they need to give Rice more opportunities to go up and get catches because that's what he was good at in college. And, you know, that can kind of really kind of complete, you know, him as a receiver. But, you know, I did <clears throat> we did kind of uh, transition into winners, losers without without announcing it, because Sky was obviously one of the bigger losers of the day. And you write that up for the site, obviously. Obviously, winners, losers is a, you know, we, we're it's a it's a easy term. You know, we're not calling anybody a, a loser, uh, although <laughs> the Chiefs did lose on Sunday. But McColl's muff punt too. Uh, we had a few questions about that. Mike Peak yeah. on Twitter asks, "What is Hardman doing catching a punt inside the five yard line?" That is my exact thought when that was happening. Um, you know, McColl actually said it after the game. If 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 people heard, he he said he got aggressive, he got greedy, and it's just like, dude. <laughs> I mean, why are we, you know, you just got here. There's no reason for you to, be, you know, you're, you shouldn't be feeling yourself like that. Maybe I guess it's because he had the 50-yard return last week, Stags. But I don't know. Did you kind of have that same question when when you saw him back backpedaling inside the 10? No, my, my question was just like, why, why can Chiefs returners not catch a return? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just, that's just really where I went with that. I, I don't, uh, you know – I think there's been plenty of punts against the Chiefs that have landed inside the five and, and resulted in them being backed up. Uh, you know, if it's not a fair catch, if he's trying to get a return out of it, you know, I get it. I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But you got to catch the catch the damn ball. Like that's that's really uh, inexcusable at this point. It's happened too much. It's not just Hardman. You know, it's been a thing for the Chiefs whole season. And and really somewhat last season as well. So I, I don't know, I don't know why this is a problem that keeps coming back. And I haven't watched a lot of other teams around the league to see if this is some epidemic that's going on league wide. But my my feeling is that the the Chiefs have taken their eye off the ball uh, quite literally when it comes to to punt returns. And they got Richard James this off season and he didn't look comfortable obviously when he had the limited opportunities he was doing and and you know he had some fumble issues last year and obviously they thought okay shoot we need to get McColl because mantra walk it's just amazing how they're just kind of throwing crap at the wall at the punt returner position um and still costing games just like it did last year in the colts game jack frost at colin Sauter, uh you know he said i'm so mad at sky McColl. uh McColl first dropping the punt then running backwards on the next one at this point just let the ball bounce wherever it may yeah, no, that's the thing. It wasn't even just the muff punt. He had, yeah, he, he mentions him running ten yards backwards on the second opportunity he had, and that set yeah, the that was, back even further. So that was real bad too. But yeah, it, it, it's tough. I mean, you, you got to field it cleanly. You got to get some positive yardage. It's not a real difficult job. I mean, it's a difficult job, but it's, it's a straightforward job. Uh, yes, again, pun intended. Let's get get the ball and go straight forward. And uh, you know, if you can make somebody miss, great. Otherwise you know, give the ball to Patrick Mahomes and, and, you know, good things should happen. It's tough. I'm interested in the way Jack worded this. Uh, and I've heard this from a lot of Chiefs fans. Do you take this stuff personally? Like, do you, are you mad and angry and frustrated at the team? Like, like they, they did something to you, you know, and, and not picking on Jack here. I just feel like they're, or, or Colin, whatever, <laughs> Jack Frost. Uh, a few names here. <laughs> um, it, it just seems like there's a lot, awful lot of Chiefs fans, and, and I've probably been guilty of this in the past, but like you take it as a personal affront when they lose uh, and you, you want uh, you want somebody to pay. You know, somebody needs to be 
punished for this loss. You know, this is a they they screwed me over by 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 losing this week. Uh, in some sense, it's just it's part of the game, right? Any given Sunday, it's the NFL. There's a lot of parody. You know, weird stuff happens every single week. You just want to win more than you lose. And and again, you scan back out. Chiefs are six and two. They were six and two last year and won the Super Bowl, right? So yep. it, it's not a uh, they're not in a bad place at this point. But anyway, I, I belabored the question here, Ron. But do you do you feel that anger uh, or that personal affront? No, you know what I was gonna say. Like I'm actually jealous that Pete that uh, you know of the fans that can still feel that at this point because I hate to say it, like I, but the Chiefs are such a Super Bowl contender. And I think I understand that so much so that it is hard for me to really get too upset about a game like this in week seven, week eight or whatever it is. You know, when we know this team, all it matters is January, February. We know that. And and the fans know that. Jack Frost knows that. Colin Sauter knows that. But I it's good. I think I'm jealous that they that like Chiefs Twitter blew up yesterday. I was jealous that I wasn't feeling the same emotion some other people were feeling. <laughs> like, you know, like it's it's fun to just be like, just all like, right, we got a trade for a receiver, like no question. Like, you know, there's no doubt, like everyone sucks on this team. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, it, it's uh, it reminds me of it. I haven't been participating in these as much anymore, but the, the game day threads, you know, where you get people just losing, absolutely losing their mind on a play after play basis. Uh, but yeah, I, I really do tend to, to, to span out. Sure. If this loss happened in the playoffs, then right. I I would be, I'd be oh yeah pretty upset. And and you know, my wife says that she can tell whether the Chiefs have won or lost based on uh, just my my demeanor. Uh, I don't feel like I was that down yesterday. Uh, she was like, "Oh, they lost, didn't they?" So I, I must have been showing something. Uh, but even if I didn't feel it consciously, but yeah, I, I tend to think, you know, both of those guys. Both of those players have been disappointing so far. McColl, but again, McColl was a hero last week in a lot of ways. So it's not that, uh, you know, it's all bad for, for either one of them. Uh, but it really is time to think about, you know, what is what is the identity on offense? What can you build around? And, and I kind of like this uh, question from uh, the Super Bowl LVII champs MVP MVP at Mahomes, or MV Pat Mahomes. Anyway, uh, you know what helps get guys open? Establishing the run. Leverage that offensive line and the bull that you have in Isaiah Pacheco. Opens up for play action, forces uh, defense to stop the run. Get out of your own way. Reed, Nagy, and company. <laughs> Coaching does matter. So I, I like this, this thought process here. Yes. It, and it's not just run the ball more. It is to me. Let's think about who can you build an offense around. It's eight weeks in. They've been experimenting with every wide receiver that they could sign or, or draft or, or, or trade for. And I think we've seen enough of a sample size to say this offense should absolutely go through Mahomes, Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, and Isaiah Pacheco. Yes. That's your offense. Everybody else is, if you get contributions from them, great. Uh, That's my opinion anyway. I think you start to to really form that offensive identity, and I think we've heard from from teams in the past that they it does take them a while to figure out who they really are, this iteration of the Chiefs. Uh, I think they're getting close to that point where they need to have that identity. 
and you know you put a bunch of different guys out there to see who was going to step up. Those four are the ones that have stepped up. So build your offense around them. Uh, you know, lean into the offensive line, lean into you know the, those four guys, and and uh, uh, if somebody else happens to step up along the way, great. Well, especially Pacheco because and, and they are doing a better job of just giving him workhorse running back snaps where you know they're not rotating in Clyde and Jarek as much. Uh, obviously, still are, but you're going to do that. But that's the thing is you know every other elite offense in the NFL, if you look around, is has an identity in the run game. You know they are able to you know run efficiently. You know the Dolphins have a very vicious run run attack because it's that Shanahan run game. You know, the Eagles obviously can get it done on the ground because, you know, they face such light boxes and have the great offensive line. And, the uh, you know, the Ravens, the Lions, the Niners, you know, uh, the Lions last night, Monday Night Football against the Raiders, just Jameer Gibbs have, looking like Jamal Charles. I actually tweeted it. It was it was crazy how much he was he was going off against them. All that to say, you know, these teams are having are, are doing that on purpose because defenses are making it harder to get downfield throws to you know, throw, uh, you know, vertical and it's not just the chiefs, it's everybody, but the chiefs just seem to be the one team that just kind of refuse to kind of lean into the run game to help that pass game. You know, they're not helping the pass game when they don't run the ball. This was a one score game, the entire game, this Denver game. Right. And they, and the, Isaiah Pacheco had six carries after he had the 19 yard run in the second quarter or in the first quarter, excuse me. in like the second drive of the game that led to a field goal, he had a 19 yard run, six more handoffs the rest of the game especially in a cold weather game. Trey Smith just talked about it last week, how much he loves cold weather games because it's really just like, you know, the linemen can just like, you know, they can sustain drives longer. It's really just about, you know, nutting up, you know, I mean, that's, they just, they just don't allow themselves to get into that mode. They still, they just want to play two finesse and that'd make way more sense if they still had Tyree kill and Sammy Watkins, but like, you know, it, it doesn't actually make any sense with, with the receiver struggling. So it is kind of odd that they still refuse to lean into the ground game like we're seeing some of these other elite offenses do, like the Eagles. Like, again, like Jalen Hurts in the past game hasn't been great uh, for Philly this year, but they're 7-1 and one because DeAndre Swift, they got for nothing, and he's going off for them in, on the ground game because it's easy to run when you have light boxes, and, and the mm -hmm. Chiefs get light boxes a ton, and they're just not taking advantage of it. Yeah, I mean – I, I agree that they've built the offensive line for it. And Pacheco is that spark plug. He is that guy yes. that when the offense has struggled, and we've seen this all season when the offense has struggled, a lot of times he's the one that's going to rip off a 10-yard run, put somebody on their behind, and, and and really you can see the energy coming out of him uh, to the rest of the team. You need that. This happened – I mean, Kareem Hunt used to be that guy, you know, that, yes. that really injected that energy – because he would get downfield, he'd run somebody over, catch him passes. He, he did that hurdle thing, you know, uh, that he would do all the time. You know, it is it's one of those things that the you would think that they would see and they would build around and they would say, "All right, we need to get momentum back in our direction. Let's get Pacheco the ball. Let, let's clear some space for him, you know, and and make sure that it's a, a well designed run and." And let him run somebody over and let him get the team fired up and build on that. Yeah, no, I, I actually got the chance to interview Isaiah Pacheco or for the site. Uh, make sure you go check that out last week. Uh, he, he had he had some good things to say about him evolving into a three down back and every down back. Um, but speaking of run running game on the other side, I did want to mention Justin Reed. 
um, kind of had a good press conference. He's he, he's so good at those and losses, honestly, just because he's you know he's he's a leader, he's well spoken, um, and and he's pretty honest about you know where the Chiefs lack, and and he he does say they need to tighten up in run defense, right? Uh, and and with you know, game like a Miami rushing attack coming up, the Philly rushing attack coming up. I just talked about them, you know, comparing them to the offense, but we're going to have to see them, the Chiefs defense, uh, you know, coming up too. So, you know, it, it is something to kind of, you know, maybe maybe be concerned about a little bit is this run defense has been kind of hidden. It hasn't been that great this year, even with Bolton, but Bolton's just missed so much time. I think that's the main part of it a lot of times, but they haven't really faced their toughest test on, on the ground. So, yeah, I mean, we, we we don't have to get too much into that. But it's just it was just worth noting Justin Reed's postgame comments there. Yeah. Speaking of postgame comments or, or actually press conference uh, comments from Andy Reed, um, he pointed out we were talking about the Sky Moore play. He pointed out that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sky Moore is going to take the heat for that drop. But when you look at it on tape, his inside arm was dragged away from him by the defender. The officials are human. They do a good job, but it's hard to see everything. It's interesting that he calls out the refs on that play when most people weren't really upset about that. A lot of people were upset about the refs on the uh, intercept, Mahomes interception where uh, MVS was just absolutely tormented before uh, before that ball arrived on that desperation heave. Uh, do you think the, the officials played a role in this one, or, or is this a uh, – uh, yet another kind of excuse that we need to get past. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely just an excuse. I mean, Andy, but I, I am surprised how many people were, were like, you know, shocked that Andy stood up for his guy because that's what he does. I mean, he didn't, you know, you know, and, and Pete and John talked about it on the editor show, but, you know, he, he didn't have to say that. Like, no one asked him about that play. He just kind of brought it up. He was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, and, and, and Sky is going to get heat on that. But, you know, he's just standing up for his guy. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to make, you know, Scott, you know, the impact less on Sky because he isn't a he isn't a bad, bad spot, you know, after this game with the fan base. Any other Russ, takeaways from your uh, sorry, from your initial analysis or your Insta breakdown uh, that we haven't talked about yet? No, I think I think we're going to get into, uh, you know, more with the questions. But uh, I do want to get you on this uh, on this. What Chiefs player am I? A little immaculate grid. Uh, game before we go to break because I think I think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get you here, Sags. Uh, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it real real tricky because I'm talking about a wide receiver. I'm talking about an electric wide receiver who you know had made some plays with Alex Smith here in Kansas City, but really took off when Patrick Mahomes uh, took the field and now or then went on to play for the Dolphins. So uh, that's that's who it is. That's who it is. So I mean I. I think, I think I've got this one. Uh, we'll we'll answer after the break. Uh, stick with us on the Outer Structure Podcast. Uh, more to come and lots of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school 
that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on the Auto Structure Podcast after the break. Ron had this question, uh, the the weekly question now, what NFL player am I that played for both the Chiefs and the Dolphins? I think I've got this one, but uh, go ahead and repeat the question real quick uh, for those that may have missed it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, what Chiefs player am I? I'm a player that played for the Chiefs and Dolphins. I, you know, started my career with the Chiefs. You know, I was a wide receiver, a very dynamic electric wide receiver who made some plays with Alex Smith but then really took off when Patrick Mahomes took the field and then went to Miami and, and played there. So uh, who am I, Stacks? Well, this is this is clearly a little uh, uh, in jest, right? There's there's a little bit of a uh, there's a little bit of a uh, okie doke here. You're trying to get me with. Uh, um, I'm going to go with Albert Wilson. Oh, uh, man, you, I thought the, I'd get you that former Chiefs. Uh, college running back turned receiver that yeah, I could have kept going with it plays. yeah I mean there's a lot of parallels there to to one other player who, who did that see I thought for the Dolphins Chiefs you were going to go a little further back and give me Chris Chambers but uh, uh but we're gonna uh, we'll, we'll we'll go with Bert Bert made some fun plays um in a lot of ways reminds me of Sky Moore right like uh, maybe not your best uh tracker of the ball deep down the field but if you get in the ball in space sometimes good stuff happens uh you know that's that's a uh uh you know he was a he was a little faster than sky more but actually yeah. i'm i like it i, I like it. It's, a, it's a decent comp but tells you that you know one of them was an undrafted free agent the other was a second round pick <laughs> well moving on speaking of wide receivers uh our mailbag question from chief hakai uh with the lack of wide receiver talent should the chiefs change their game plan and run more we we just talked about this a little bit um, I think we're in agreement that they probably should run a little bit more, but I, I want to talk about this lack of wide receiver talent. Uh, it, this isn't a question per se, but how is it that we're in this place with the wide receiver room? And you look at the offseason plans and you say, All right, was there a plan and it just has gone badly? Was there no plan? Which I, I would say, I, I basically never believe. Uh, but you know, and was it was the plan to just throw ten wide receivers out there and see who emerged, like we said a minute ago, or was the plan really that Kadarius Tony was going to be the number one guy? And then for for a couple of different reasons, that hasn't worked out to be the case. I, I really, you know, we've all been focused on Sky Moore because of the drop pass, um, or you know, kind of his his lack of emergence, but. I think the Chiefs really expected a lot from Kadarius Tony, and they've gotten absolutely nothing this season from him. And that's that's been a real problem. That's your explosive player. That's your guy that can make people miss. That's your guy that can run uh, trick plays and gadget stuff. Uh, that's somebody if you need two yards, you know, you, you get him the ball in space. It should be really something that you can go to. Um, for all the focus on the other wide receivers struggling. What's going on with Kadarius Tony? 
You know, it is a good question because obviously last year he he was thrown right in and made plays, you know, consistently for this team pretty much. I mean, I don't maybe shouldn't say consistently throughout the down back stretch of the season, but you know, came in and 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 made plays. He's not making plays it feels like lately. Um and he's just playing less and less, you know, snaps and I think the main culprit of that is just obviously that he is he is a slot receiver. Um you know, he he can play some some outside but I, I really think they need they want him in the slot. And Rasheed Rice is just owning the slot right now. And if it's not Rasheed Rice, it's Travis Kelsey. And Sky Moore is getting some of that. Uh, you know, obviously the slot targets too, um, even though I think I would rather have. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of times with these slot targets, they're just getting the ball quickly to someone make you know who needs to make someone miss and, and you know, get yards. Like that should be Tony over Moore to me. But it does seem like Moore is still getting, you know, more of those, uh, you know, snaps and stuff. So. And now McColl's back in the mix. I think he is the better jet sweep option, right? I think Tony just doesn't have the the straight ahead speed that really threatens on those jet sweeps. I think he's just really more shifty and quick um, when you get it when you when he gets to the flat. And so I think that is kind of maybe one another reason why McColl's here. So there's a lot of factors going against uh, Tony. Like his kind of his roles are just like being taken up by other players on the team. And like when he does get the opportunities, he's not really like impressing in the limited snaps he's getting. So it's not like he's, uh, you know, he's not as explosive to me as he was last year. And maybe this is just injury, had the toe thing a little earlier, obviously missed the entire training camp. But I mean, you know, at some point, you know, we're eight weeks into this thing. So um, he's a, he's definitely a nice he's definitely a nice, uh, you know, receiver to have around, um, you know, just to make a play if he is feeling healthy. But it just doesn't seem like he's as explosive or dynamic in the open field as he was last year. Do you feel like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of that. It does feel like maybe they're, they're telegraphing his, his receptions, you know, when, when he's only getting, you know, what 15 snaps a game or whatever he's, I getting. could agree with that. Yeah. It's, I could seems agree like when that. he's in, you know, the defense is pretty keyed on him and he just gets lit up. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what the deal is, but I think that he was a huge part of the plans. And I think that that hasn't panned out. And has made the entire room look way worse than what it would have had he even been uh, what he was last year. Well, I think there's another thing to this too that is just maybe an overall question with the receivers is: Do you think there's something to the Chiefs not giving their receivers like a chance to get in rhythm as pass catchers in a game? Like you're just subbing them in and out and, and rotating them so much, mm-hmm. and, and you know not giving any of them you know, seven, eight, nine targets. Like when's the last time a receiver for the Chiefs got uh, besides Rasheed Rice, I guess. And, and you know, maybe you can just say, hey, that's that's Rice now. But even he sometimes doesn't get consistently targeted and yeah. he still has a drop problem like he does. Like that's, you know, there. so he is still a rookie. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, I think both receivers and running backs have a little bit of that need for volume in order to, to get into a rhythm and to make an impact. And, you know, if you're, if you don't get a lot of volume and you're still trying to throw to 10 different receivers, literally every single week, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a thing. Um, This week it was what 11 receivers um, again for Mahomes that he he targeted. Um, Kelsey got nine targets. Rice got five. MVS had four. Pacheco had four, you know, but everybody else, three, two, one, uh, you know, it actually kind of dovetails nicely into our next question that I wanted to cover from spin cycle 
Why is MVS the deep threat with in, in air quotes here? When was the last time he caught a pass over 30 yards? Well, the short answer is last week uh, because because he had a, a, a 46-yard catch against the Chargers in, in the win there. Um, but I, I do feel like MVS is a uh, – he hasn't had a lot of those this year. That might have been his only one back to at least in recent memory. Uh, but he's always been sort of a low-percentage receiver. And, and he, again, you probably have to throw to him three times – you know, to, to expect one big catch out of him. And he's not getting three targets a game. So uh, it, it is maybe something we just have to manage our expectations until they settle on a, a, a more concise rotation uh, for these wide receivers. But, you know, MVS had four targets this week, had two catches. Um, his longest was only 14 yards. Uh, but he was targeted on that that big play you know, that resulted in a desperation interception at the end of the game. Uh, Mahomes is still looking for him deep down the field when he can. It just doesn't, you know, it's a low percentage thing. It doesn't always work out. And, and they've got to have, uh, they've got to have volume together for, for that to work. Uh, and, and Justin Watson gets some of that volume uh, now as well. So when it comes to MVS, I'm not sure what to expect. I'm not sure that there's anything going on with him as a receiver. He certainly is a deep play guy. He's a bigger player as well, which should lend himself to, to being somebody that can make a catch in traffic or, or make a play on the sidelines. He's one of their only true outside receivers and somebody that Mahomes should be able to target deep. Uh, but, but it's just not, not getting the volume. Yeah. Here's the thing with MBS, you know, he does, he is the veteran receiver, right? He is the most experienced receiver, but a lot of times his role in the offense isn't something, you know, that is going to produce a big game statistical wise for himself, right? Like his big games are going to be two catches, three catches for 60 yards, 70 yards, 80 yards. And maybe that touchdown, like we saw in the chargers game, but a lot of time what he's doing down the field is just pushing safeties deep, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, keeping these two high shells honest, or even the one high, you know, keeping them honest and allowing other things to open up underneath them, like Travis Kelsey, like Rasheed Rice. But, you know, that's all good. And, and you know, I, you know, you, I can kind of excuse that. But once we come to the game where you do need to catch some balls and, and, and maybe show, you know, more than just that, you can't fumble the ball, you know, like he did. That was a pretty weak, you know, um, tuck. And, you know, you can't get stripped that easy after the catch. And then obviously the, the sideline pass where he just wasn't uh, strong enough to the catch point. Um, Mahomes was kind of like, you know, come back and, and, and catch that. You could t- tell he was frustrated with that. So, yeah, I think, I think MVS, you know, he, he, he is when he is just ha- having to do his role and everyone else is playing fine. Like we're never going to complain about it, but like this receiver room does need someone to step up and he did in the AFC championship game. So it's not like he can't, but he didn't this game, and he hasn't at all this season besides, you know, the, the big plays that are kind of generated for him. I, I had to laugh just now on on the Twitter X. Uh, our guy C.Harrison Harrison um, says that uh, MVS is Applebee's because you can just count on the two for 20. <laughs> I saw that. Yes, that is so good. Yes. Well, that's, that's that's a good way of putting it. Um, and, and Applebee's also in the fact that it's, you know, it should, it's not your go-to, right? Like, you, you, you <laughs> You shouldn't be your go-to, I I would argue. There you go. Uh, but it, the the two for twenty value you get out of it should be you got to keep your expectations low. If your expectations are low, Applebee's is just fine. But it uh, uh, if you really want if you really want something good, 
that's probably not going to be your your go-to. Um, Nick Weiler, with all this talk about getting a wide receiver before the trade deadline, which is today, Tuesday, by the way, what about some defensive help, especially with the injury-filled linebacker room? I did see some random tweet X rumor about uh, uh, Ben Neiman being activated to the to the Broncos roster because yeah. there, there was some fear that the Chiefs were going to poach him, uh, which would have been um, terrible. Uh, <laughs> who else would the Chiefs be maybe targeting on the defensive side? You know, that's interesting. I mean, it's always it's always – uh, you know, an interesting thing at this time of year to think about, oh, what extra pass rusher could you get for the home stretch? But, you know, I really don't think uh, you need a pass rusher, right? I think you're 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 finding this 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 group is, is kind of coming along. I wouldn't want to take any snaps away from anybody um, further more than they already kind of had to with how many who turned in the mix. But the yeah. linebacker room, I don't I don't think they need to add anybody. I think they just need to trust guys like Leo Chanel um to to keep playing i mean he's been such a stud in limited snaps so yeah I, i'm i'm good on the defensive side it, it, and and we should be i mean i don't think anyone should be clamoring for too much totally agree all right uh a couple more questions about this week's game and this past week's game to glorious glorious on twitter mahomes hasn't played the best since the season started how much blame should we put on him on the loss for uh, against denver and the bad play in general how much do you blame Mahomes for the offensive struggles? You know, this is this is it's just the thing with the Mahomes, like when he struggles, is like, yes, he is he he is not maybe making a throw that is open in, in one instance, or maybe he's you know feeling pressure that's not necessarily there and, and, and moving out of a pocket on another instance, but in my opinion, it, that doesn't happen just randomly or in a vacuum. It happens when the the people contributing to that, like make him not trust that they're going to get open or, you know, the offensive line makes him not trust that they're going to, you know, block. Well, I think we've seen that in the past. I think this year it's been obviously pretty good. I don't think Mahomes has shown too much, you know, uncomfortability with how the pass protection's holding up for the most part. But I do think Mahomes has had some times where he's missing open receivers or not throwing things on time or just, you know, maybe forcing things. But it's because maybe he's frustrated with, you know, people not being where they're supposed to be at the right moment or not being where he where he thinks they're supposed to be. And we can't really see that as much as he can, because when it is all happening, he can go for 400 plus yards like he did against the Chargers. So it's like, you know, like we, it's not like he and he can look that good. Right. He looked so good that game. He started 20 to 23. I mean, he was just nails. So like and he did have the flu game. Uh, you know, he did have the flu this game. But all that to say. You know, I do think Mahomes play to play can have some missed snaps or missed opportunities or, or just kind of bad reps. But I think it's because his support system isn't giving him the reason to give him confidence in them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I hear that. I don't want to make excuses for him. He's he's still the MVP, still the best player in the league. He had yeah. a bad day against the Bears or against the uh, the Broncos. He didn't play well. Whatever the yeah. circumstances around that, he didn't play well. He was part of the problem against the Broncos this time around. He was the main reason they won against the Chargers last week. So so I don't think you can put a, a trend on it or, or say it's a, a season-long issue. Uh, at this point, it was a bad game, and let's look forward to next week. Yeah. No, and and he's had some, some moments this year. But, again, I just think 
you're but you're right though. I, I do want to make the point that you're right. Like he is an MVP quarterback. Like he is not playing as well as 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 he could be, and he could be overcoming some of those things. So I, I think that's a good point. All right, let's let's jump back back to the trade deadline again. Thomas Ramirez, uh, our guy, asks what wide receivers should the Chiefs target at the trade deadline? Give me your top five. Uh, he gives a few candidates here. Uh, there's a couple others here in the in the questions and the comments. I added a few myself. Uh, so without reading this entire list here, give me your top five uh, potential wide receiver targets for the Chiefs. You know, it's funny. Thomas mentioned my sleepers, Cooper Cup. That'd be that'd be hilarious if somehow <laughs> the Chiefs were able to pull that off. I mean, that's you're talking about the uh, a a perfect receiver for what the Chiefs need um uh, in this offense uh so that'd be hilarious but uh you know hey he throw it in there i'm gonna make him my number one uh no i think uh i think someone like you know marquise brown um is realistic because he plays for the cardinals uh you know he's an explosive yak player you know they can get the ball in his hands quickly and he can make things happen but he's also a deep threat so you know he can kind of win in the slot and maybe get vertical better than like a sky or Kadarius tony um so he's in there you know, Mike Evans would be awesome. I think, you know, Justin Ross uh, is someone that they maybe thought they could get more uh, of like a go up and get it kind of ability from. But obviously he is no longer around um, for the time being. So, you know, if they do still want that element in their game, he's there. So he's number three. Hopkins could be that as well. But I, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is on, on sale anymore. If you watch that Titans game this weekend, uh, you know, Will Levis looks like, you know, he's going to give them opportunities to make plays this year and 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 still be in contention. Uh, for that AFC South, although the Jaguars are, are are doing their thing, so DeAndre Hopkins four, and uh, you know, give me Adam Thielen five uh, if, if if he's out there. They're one and six. He's balling out this year. Um, you know, he I didn't think he had anything left in him, but hey, he's he's proven this year that he, that he probably give us more than than what some of these receivers on the Chiefs are giving. Yeah. Well, first of all, I I would say number one most likely option is no wide receiver additions at the trade deadline. Bingo. Uh, not saying that that's what I would do, but I'm just saying, I think that's most likely. Uh, number two, I would say, let's give me Terry McLaren. I, I think Thomas Ramirez brings him up here. That's a good one. That's a, good a one. dynamic player on a team that appears to be selling uh, the first trade deadline, trade deadline day trade was just announced. Uh, Montez sweat traded from the, commanders to the bears uh, for a second round pick uh, so if the commanders are selling uh, he would be a guy that should be at the top of your list of somebody who you'd be interested in uh, dynamic threat somebody can get downfield uh, and, and move the chains a little bit so he'd be number one for me um, I think you know DeAndre Hopkins would be like you said number two but but probably not not likely uh, Mike Evans Again, great, but not likely. Uh, you know, I, I just don't see any of these as super realistic options. Yeah. We've heard some really fun uh, buzz about Devontae Adams today. Um, there's not a, a chance that the Raiders would trade him to the Chiefs. They're adamant they don't want to trade him at all, even if he wants out. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't see that happening. Uh, somebody else just jokingly said Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I obviously <laughs> that would be – uh, incredible, but not happening. Uh, another th theoretically realistic one is Darnell Mooney uh, from the Bears. Yeah, um, if they've got some guys that are moving around, Mooney's been a productive guy. The only challenge there is, as you just mentioned, every one of the Chiefs receivers 
that has been productive has been productive from the slot. And, and so Darnell yes. Mooney is also uh, a fairly productive slot player. So I'm not sure how that actually solves any of their problems. No, and, and and that's the thing. Like, if they were to make a move, which again, I to to make it clear, I don't think they'll make a move. Y'all are probably listening to this after you know that they didn't make a move, uh, <laughs> depending on what's going on. But uh, I, I, it is interesting. If they did, it probably would be an outside receiver type. You know, someone that more is like a perimeter kind of guy, so they can just focus on these because they are kind of forcing some of the slot receivers to be outside receivers when that's not really what they are mm-hmm. in terms of sky more. Even though I do think I, I've said that it'd be nice to get him more opportunities just in real routes uh, rather than slot playmaking routes. He's still better runner from the slot rather than on the outside. But again, so like a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, man, I mean, the reason, I mean, it, it, it kind of, you know, if he plays like he did yesterday, the rest of the season, I mean, that that's someone that you kind of wish the Chiefs did maybe. So, you know, take take a take a hit on because, man, he was getting open. He was creating separation. He was flying down the field not looking old at all. And that's, I mean, he was really making Will Levis's life a lot easier uh, on Sunday. Um, so, and he'd be making Mahomes' life easier. I I, I, I got to believe it. It's it's fun to dream. Uh, and and I, I love a good trade as much as the next guy. Uh, there's a lot of people throwing out different ideas. We'll see what happens. But, but yeah, I think it's a pretty safe bet that the Chiefs are going to sit back and hope uh, that their receiver room comes around. I, I think for that to happen again, you got to see – Something more, something out of Kadarius Tony, something more out of MVS, and, and then you know, I, I guess they'll still work on Sky Moore's development. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. There's some questions here about the coaching staff, and I wanted to get to those sort of all together. Um, Chris Fried asks, "There's a clear lack of urgency on offense. Is this a Super Bowl hangover or the loss of Eric Bieniemy?" Uh, Joe, an engineer, Joe said. Well, why is the Chiefs front office giving unqualified coaches positions, uh, a.k.a. Matt Nagy, uh, and then Chase, why, why, why? Uh, what's the dynamic between Mahomes as Nagy? The place calling seems to lack any consistency. So a lot of fingers seem to be pointing at, at offensive coordinator Matt Nagy at this point. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on him specifically or if this is a coaching issue uh, that's led to some challenges this season? Yeah, no, I've I've been pretty um I've had the take that, you know, maybe not I, I didn't maybe think it would happen so much so from a play calling perspective, uh, that you know, Nagy would be a downgrade from B enemy, but I do think from a discipline perspective, or maybe just from a, you know, lighten you up a little bit when you're maybe playing sloppy, uh, you know, when you're Mahomes, you know, I've if you listen to Nagy talk about Patrick Mahomes, he talks about him like he like you know, he's like a big fan. Like he's a, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, he is so great. That kind of thing. You know, you almost want your coach to not talk like that. Um, you know, the guy that's really directing him, leading him, you know, and maybe has to get in him a little bit. And and maybe that contributes to maybe some of the undisciplined play you see from a home from the pocket sometimes or not, you know, hitting things on time, um, you know, or, or maybe even the receivers, right? Maybe the receivers, you know, maybe they need, you know, a fire lit under them a little more in terms of, you know, hey, like, you know, we need to hit this route like here and, and with this timing and like maybe Nagy just isn't doesn't have that same sort of, um, you know, teaching or, or you know, you know, come to, uh, you know, get over to them. Right. Or, uh, you know, relate to them kind of thing um, and, and really get it into their head. I mean, you know, I know it's it's it, it may sound a little 
wacky to say it like that, but you know, in my opinion, I I, I think there is something to that, and and I think the enemy, uh, you know, is 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 keeping Washington competitive there. They've put up a bunch of points on the Eagles both games because he is and a good offensive coach and, and someone that knows, you know, how to, how to get the best out of what he's got, um, you know, play calling wise. And, and I think, I think you are seeing a little bit of that, uh, you know, here, but I don't know if it's to, with Nagy, like, I don't know if Nagy's calling bad plays more. So uh, like, I wouldn't, you know, that's, I don't think that's the big difference to me. I think it's more just maybe like a discipline thing. Yeah. It, it's hard to point the finger at any one coach. I, I do think, yeah, you know, there were some things that BN and me brought to the table that were valuable that we sort of discounted uh, at times. And, and the, clearly the league discounted it as well because he didn't get the head coaching job he deserved. But uh, Nagy's also a well-qualified coach, uh, good yes. football mind, uh, great experience. Uh, he brings something to that room. I think he, I think he does work well with Mahomes. Uh, I, you know, I'll take your point as far as the, is he hard enough on him? Uh, as an open question, but you know the the two have a good relationship. Uh, don't be surprised if he's still our uh, our the Chiefs' future head coach in in waiting. It, it could very well happen. Um, I don't know that I'd put this specifically on Nagy, but I did this week call out the Chiefs' coaching staff as a uh, as a loser for for the way the offense performed, and, and it's been inconsistent. And there's been some decisions that that you have to, at this point, look back and say, that has not worked out. And one of those is the 11 wide receiver, uh, you know, targets per game and, and who, you know, not being able to really focus or, or build that identity and that consistency. So, you know, I would argue that the coaching staff as a whole deserves some of this blame. Uh, I saw the 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 Eagles truthers coming out about Andy Reid saying, look, we told you, you know, there's some, there's some reasons that, that we let him go, uh, you know, two Super Bowls later, uh, you know, <laughs> there's, there's uh, always going to be somebody to place the blame on. Uh, but yeah, I think coaching staff in general needs to do a better job of putting people in position to succeed. Yeah. Uh, they need to be more crisp. They need to execute better. Um, and yeah, I think they need to focus the offense a little bit more on their clear identity. Uh, so I would put that challenge out to the entire staff and not really blame Nagy or or, in, or any one specific coach. Right. Yeah, because it is a collective effort. I mean, Andy's open about you know how they collectively you know make the game plan. Make you know someone's got red zone, someone's got third down. Maybe some you know it's it is a very collective effort uh, in the game plan. Even though Nagy's the offensive coordinator. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think, I think, I think Mahomes could help him out too. Um, and in terms of, you know, maybe making some of his pat, uh, plays look a little better, uh, Mahomes and the receivers could too. So it's a, it's a, it's a lot of blame going around big blame pie on the offense and, and a lot of, a lot of different slices getting, getting dished out. Well, I personally hate playing the blame game. I, I'd much rather look forward, uh, and, and say, how do we, you know, how would we, if, if we were on the team, fix this thing going forward? Or how should we as Chiefs fans feel about this team going forward? So let's jump ahead to Germany and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Jake Wilson's question, should the Chiefs fans feel optimistic about the defensive line's ability to produce pressure against Miami? Uh, I'm going to answer in, in short order, yes. <laughs> the defensive line has been 
pretty outstanding in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to pass rush. Uh, George Karloftis has already matched last year's career um, or last, last year's as total sack production yeah. in half a season. Uh, he's playing really well. He's, I said in my piece, I think he's benefiting more than anybody else from Chris Jones and Charles O'Menehu being there. Karloftis uh, is going to have a chance to clean up a lot of plays this year and make some of his own like he did this past week. Uh, so I think the defensive line with Karloftis, Menehu, Jones, Mike Dana's playing uh, at a career best pit, you know, pace at this point. Derek Nottie's playing pretty well overall. I think uh, maybe you know maybe there's some questions about his play this week, but but yeah, I think the defensive line it can and, and will produce uh, against Miami uh, with one caveat maybe, and that's that Miami's offense is probably predicated upon getting the ball out quick, <laughs> and so yeah, so we'll see how that get, how that works. Yeah, no, I'll play devil's advocate because this is, you know, an offense that the Chiefs may have to, you know, get pressure in a little bit of a different way. And, you know, I, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate still in a good way for the Chiefs because they may not generate pressure stags, but this team loves to bat them some passes down at the line of scrimmage. And I think that might be the key here in this game where you're saying, like you just said, the, the Dolphins love to get the ball out fast. That is on slants and things over the middle to Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. And, you know, Chris Jones, Charles O'Menehu, they're going to make it real hard for Tua to, to find those throwing lanes. So that's really what they maybe need to key on instead of maybe going all out trying to get inside and and and, and sacking him like they would against a Russell Wilson who holds on to the ball forever. They need to to really work on, if they don't win quick, get their hands up and get in, get in his way. Um, and that'll be kind of the key in this game. You bet. How about Tim Niker's question? Uh, it's more of a scenario. Frankfurt, Germany. November 5th, Chiefs get the ball on the 25-yard line, down four. A minute 15 on the clock, no timeouts. What is your confidence that they win the game this year versus last year in this scenario? Um, He gives his answer first here, which is 75% chance they win last year, 30% chance this year uh, in that scenario, down four on the 25, minute 15 to go. What do you think, Ron? Man, that's that's it's tough because I mean I would be very confident in Patrick Mahomes anytime he's in this situation. Um, trying to think of how much how less confident I would be or more confident I should say maybe uh, I would be last year. You know he had bad game-ending interceptions in last year's uh, regular season too. I mean the Bills game comes to mind. He got uh, you know the Nickelback jumped his pick and uh, the Colts game. Uh, although I think that was more on the receivers. Uh, um, with my weird brain remembering that play somehow. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I am just as confident, I think, as ever that Patrick Mahomes can do it. Um, he hasn't been, he hasn't had that many opportunities this year to, to be in this situation besides the Denver game. And, I mean, we all saw it. He threw a touchdown on fourth and two uh, that would have made it a one-score game. Um, so, you know, I, I guess maybe it's just, you know, your receivers obviously give you less confidence here. But, you know, Pete's been making this point, but, this group is becoming the same receiver core we had last year. It's just Rasheed Rice's and Juju Smith. And I think we all would rather have Rasheed Rice than Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> when you put it like that, yeah, I mean, I'm just as confident as I've, I, I think as I would have been last year. If it, you know, once, once we get to that spot, you know. One last question from Rob Welcher. Every game should be a win. How much does the loss against Denver make Miami a must-win game? The Chiefs need the number one seed to entertain a repeat, according to Rob here. Uh, the Chiefs are still 
tied for the best record in the AFC, but you know, the, having that cushion, um, having that loss definitely narrows their margin in, uh, of error going forward. So it's not yet a must win, but they got to win at least one of these next two. I think. I don't, I don't think you can contend uh, at sitting at six and four if they were to lose the next two weeks. Yeah, no, you you want to win this game against Miami for sure because they feel like a team, um, you know, especially with their schedule. I think if you look at it, it's not terrible. They feel like a team that's going to have a very good record at the end. They're going to have a, you know, they're going to win a lot of regular season games. You know, they may lose to the contenders here and there, but you know, I, I do think the Chiefs could can win this game. They they should be able to win this game. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't put it as a must win um, because they still have games against Buffalo, Cincinnati. Uh, you know, on the AFC schedule, right? So if they do need to make up ground still in the AFC playoff race, they have games against those teams to kind of help. Well, Ron, I'm going to return to our tradition of letting you close out the pod with with other thoughts about the upcoming game. Uh, we appreciate everybody for listening and, and sticking around. Uh, Ron, take it home. Let us know what's going to happen this week, and we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Yeah, guten tag. If, if I think that's uh, <laughs> that's hello in German. I think I don't know if it's it's like aloha where it's hello, goodbye. You know, I, yeah, I'm just gonna, sounds good. I'm just gonna go with it. Guten tag, stags. Uh, well, we just so, yeah. <laughs> oh wow, look at that showing yeah. me up. Okay, all right, I see how it is. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for some morning football, some Sunday morning football, some 8:30 a.m. football. Uh, you know, the Chiefs haven't played on an international game since. 2015 uh when they beat the lions 45 10 in london uh fun game alex smith had like a crazy long rush i think it was like a 70 yard run um just that's like the main thing i remember about that game so gonna be a fun time in germany i think it should be a a high scoring game um because we kind of just mentioned it but i do think the dolphins offense you know is going to be able to counter the chief's ability to get pressure um, by getting the ball quick um, I do think guys like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are, are maybe some of the kind of players that, uh, you know, a guy like Legarius Need is going to struggle against, right? As a cornerback, I think he's best against maybe the more physical corners where he can be physical himself. Um, although, you know, we saw Cortland Sutton kind of take advantage of that a little bit this past game um, at times. I still think Legarius Need played a, pr- played a pretty good game overall. So, yeah, I think the Dolphins, you know, definitely with the run game too without Nick Bolton, you're going to see Miami attack in the box, you know, uh, try to try to see if they can take advantage of guys like Derek Naughty, Drew Tranquil, uh, you know, uh, see if they can kind of, you know, they've had good years so far, but, you know, maybe there are weak spots and reasons why, you know, they, they aren't, um, you know, that, that we've, we've questioned them in the past. You know, I think this could be a game where we, we, we say, Oh, wow, this is why Nick Bolton is so important to this football team. It's because of what he brings to the run defense. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, it, it could be an important game from that standpoint. When the Chiefs have the ball, though, I, I I am excited to kind of see, you know, what the Chiefs offense, pass offense can do against a Miami defense that has been, you know, a, a loose this year. Like Buffalo put up a ton of points on them, um, but they are getting Jalen Ramsey or they did get Jalen Ramsey back. He had an interception last week, although Mac Jones threw that that ball up pretty, pretty uh, easily for him. Uh, but he is back um, and that definitely gives them a layer to their secondary they haven't had all year. And maybe it could give them a kind of improved dimension to their pass defense. That uh that they haven't had because their pa- their pass rush is good but kind of everything behind it has been pretty suspect this year that's been able to be taken advantage of um, but they do have good pass rushers so the Chiefs will have to watch out for that you know Jalen Phillips obviously uh you know from the University of Miami a couple of years ago first round pick definitely an exciting pass rusher but they have other guys too Van Ginkle I know gets out gets in the gets in the pocket so 
definitely going to be a big game for the pass protection to to give Mahomes time to take advantage of of some of the suspect players in Miami secondary. But but again, with Jalen Ramsey back, with Javon Holland and the safety group, uh, you know that those are two playmakers plus some other guys. You know this this is a talented team, um, and they're getting healthy uh, with the second half of the season about to start. So this is a very challenging game. I do think we're going to see some points scored. I think you know this game is, is one that Andy and and the coaching staff is going to have a specified game plan for. They played a division opponent three straight weeks. There is something to the fact that they've had maybe a little extra time to game plan for this game. So I do think you're going to see the pass offense, the run offense too. The run offense have a good game. The Chiefs offense have a good game, but Miami's going to push them. And so don't be surprised if Miami um, gets, you know, push them to the end. And, you know, hey, I going into the bye week, there's a chance Miami can can spoil the Chiefs here. Um, I will probably predict the Chiefs to win, but I still got some time. I'm not going to give you a prediction yet because I do want to think this one through a little more because um, this is a big game. Excited for it. Hopefully you guys are excited for it too. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys following along. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Make sure you're following the site, arrowheadpride.com. Um, the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We got tons of good shows this week uh, leading into this big game. You know, I know uh, the Great British Chiefs show will have a special perspective on this game. Uh, I think on Wednesday. So shout out those guys. I think they'll be at the game, Tom and 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 Brad. So appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you follow all of us, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>